2: It's a deep morning this morning. I can tell already. It's like, yeah, today's the day that I should do all the movie trailers in a world, you know, kind of thing. I mean, it's uh, wow. I don't know what it is, but uh, those are the first words I've spoken all day. So good morning. How are you? You ready to go? You ready to get things rolling and and go on? It is Tuesday and uh, no, it's not train wreck Tuesday. It's uh, it's top three Tuesday. That's what it is. The weekly top three. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is about to join us to do the weekly top three. It's also the start of the. Well, I take it back. Maybe it is train wreck Tuesday because it's about to, the session is about to start today. So it might be. This is the slow motion four month train wreck. That's what's about to happen. So we'll watch this. But you can't look away, right? I mean, that's the old axiom. You can't look away from a train wreck. Uh, so we're about to dive into that as well this morning, uh, get some intel and, and talk about what's coming down on that. And then in Hour 2, we're going to uh, talk with uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer. We'll get his weekly life coaching done at the end of the show. After we have a chance to fa-fa amongst ourselves and talk about, you know, But whatever that we, you know, whatever that Brad stirs up in us, those feelings of, you know, whatever, Brad's going to stir them up and then we're going to have to deal with all those feelings. It's going to be amazing. All right. So now that we've set you guys all up for it, are you ready to go? Let's dive into it. The weekly top three today, it's all about, well, it's ITAP's latest on who pays. It's going to be talking about the gigantic PFD that the state's majority wants but not for you and me and also the K12 spending there's going to be a lot it's a lot it's a lot to deal with which is not unusual when we talk to Brad let's uh let's get started here and see what's going on good morning sir how how are, how are you
1: doing are you ready michael i'm doing great train wreck tuesday that's that sort of sounds you know that's that's doable yeah, it's, it's, it's you know it's alliteration buddy i just if
2: you know me long enough you know that that's just something that i got i can't get away from Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, that, that's about right. I I feel that, I feel like I got hit by a train, so let's start there, you know, and we know that the train, and again, it's like one of those things where you know it's coming and you can just see the train tumbling and you know it's going to go over the ravine and what's going to happen and nobody's going to pull the lever back and, I mean, it all... It flows seamlessly into our theme, I think, so it works well. Uh, So weekly top three, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, an organization dedicated to, well, sustainable budgets. Uh, Brad and I have been fighting this battle for years together, and uh, while we don't always agree, we always are trying to get to the same place, and it's difficult. Uh, And as we start the session, Brad has got some thoughts on this. Uh, I had to laugh when he sent me over the, the details this morning or yesterday about uh, this morning. And, and that includes the fact that number one on your list today, Brad, is that the Senate majority does want a gigantic PFD, which I was like, I had to reread that. What? They want a gigantic? P- but they only want it for certain people. <laughs> tell, tell us. Tell me what's going on here, Brad, in your in your mind. What are you talking
1: about? You know, Michael, as I, as I analyze my reaction to things, I think, I think my biggest outrage and the things that sometimes end up most, most times end up on the top three are the hypocrisy that, that goes on in the legislature, in, in the legislature and, and by legislators. And this week's is a prime example of that in a, in an AP article, Becky Bohr, the AP uh, writer for Alaska uh, for the legislature at least uh writes an article about what's up in the legislature and on down the article she gets to a, a the topic of fiscal plan uh pfd in the fiscal plan and she interviews gary stevens president of the senate uh, on the issue and uh, and and stevens has this quote in there it says are we ever going to solve it referring to the fiscal plan stevens said of the yearly debate probably not it's always going to be a battle. And when we have a governor that insists on this gigantic dividend, it's no, no longer large, it's no longer mega, it's now gigantic, on this gigantic dividend in the budget, we, we'll always have that battle uh, with the governor. Well, the hypocrisy of the, of the Alaska Senate president talking about gigantic dividends is just too huge for me to, for me to, to pass by. Let's go back to first principles. First principles are the permanent fund earnings. In Hammond's vision, permanent fund earnings were divided 50% to the PFD and 50% essentially to enable Alaskans to avoid taxes. They They were to pay for government out of this free good, this free bucket of money, the permanent fund earnings pay for government so that Alaskans didn't have to pay taxes. When you go through the numbers, as I've done, Over the last 10 years, when you go through the numbers, you realize that it's the PFD that's most important to 80% of Alaska families, middle and lower income Alaska families. But it's the tax avoidance portion, the the other half that's most important to the top 20%. The PFD represents a trivial amount of their income. But the tax avoidance dividend, the fact they don't have to pay taxes, is huge uh, to them. What's happened over the last several years is as government spending has gone up, as revenues have gone down, as the deficits uh, have, have grown, uh, government has outgrown the ability to cover taxes through that other 50%. So what Hammond originally envisioned was, okay, when we get to that point, we'll reinstitute taxes. We'll, we'll contribute 50% of the permanent fund earnings to avoid taxes. But when we get to the point where that 50% is no longer sufficient to to avoid taxes, we'll reinstitute taxes and we'll try to do it fairly. Um, What's happened, in fact, is when we've got to that point where the 50% no longer enables us to avoid, no longer enables the state to avoid taxes, the, the top 20%, those who are focused on that portion of permanent fund earnings, they don't really care, give a rip about the PFD. Those who are focused on that portion of permanent fund earnings that are used to avoid taxes have said, oh, no, we're not paying taxes. And so to avoid taxes, continue to avoid taxes, what we're going to do is we're going to take more and more and more out of the PFD, the portion that's important to the to the to the 80 percent of Alaska families. We're going to take more and more and more out of that so that we can we the top 20 percent can continue to avoid taxes. And as we've seen this creep, as we've seen deficits go up, we've seen this creep of, of the portion of the permanent fund earnings that the top 20% want to use to avoid taxes so they can continue to avoid taxes. We've seen this creep of more and more and more of the permanent fund earnings going to going to um, going to avoid taxes. So at one point I did that. I, I delved into it. And this is all all in a landmine column uh, about this time last year. I delved into it, and I said, okay, "Okay, what's what's the value of that tax avoidance? What's the tax? What's the what's the tax avoidance dividend, if you will, to the top twenty percent?" And 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 it really what triggered me was. Was you know, legislators kept saying, "Oh, this gigantic dividend that the that the that the, the people on the that the people on the PFD side want." And so I started calculating how much of, of the top twenty percent are being protected from taxes um, from from a tax burden uh, by using permanent fund earnings more and more and more for the tax avoidance dividend, and you can get up to a a, a hundred thousand dollars. In terms of the tax avoidance dividend. If you cut the PFD, if you shift the PFD to 2575, 25% going to the PFD now, as opposed to the fifty-fifty Hammond originally envisioned, 25% going to the PFD and 75% going to tax avoidance, the tax avoidance dividend, the benefit to the top one top 1%, the taxes they are avoiding by taking the PF, by taking a portion of the PFD. And using that to cover the cost of government, so that they don't have to pay taxes, the tax avoidance dividend of the top one percent is hundred and twenty thousand dollars per year. That's the benefit of their tax avoidance dividend. If you go to a leftover PFD, which is the is whatever's left over after after rating it to to cover the, the the to cover the burden of the deficit, if you go to a leftover PFD over the next ten years, the tax the value of the tax avoidance dividend to the top. 1% is $144,000 uh, uh, to them they avoid $144,000 in taxes even if you step back and say okay that's the top 1% give me the average in the in the top in the top 20% at a at a 50-50 pfd the value of the of the tax avoidance dividend to the top Twenty to, to the average uh, uh, family in the top twenty percent, the average household in the top twenty percent, the value of the average of the of the tax avoidance dividend is sixteen thousand dollars. The value at a at POMV twenty five seventy five, which is what the Senate's pushing for, is twenty four thousand dollars. That's compared to PFDS of about. Um, uh, uh, uh $2500 $3000 so the the family the family in the top 20% average family in the top 20% is benefiting from PFD cuts down to 2575 to the tune of $24,000 while the 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 if you paid the full PFD the gigantic PFD according to Gary Stevens to to the average family over in the over in the remaining 80% they'd get, you know, maybe $3,000, $4,000 out of it. It The gigantic PFD is not, the gigantic dividend it, that's coming out of the permanent fund earnings is not coming through in the PFD. The gigantic dividend that's coming through is in the form of the tax avoidance dividend that the top 20% are benefiting from. And, and it just outrages me when you've got Gary Stevens, who. <laughs> Should understand these numbers, and I'm sure does understand these numbers. When you've got Gary Stevens saying, "When we battle, uh, when we have a governor that insists on this gigantic dividend in the budget, th- the governor's insisting." You mean on the, a on the a statutory PFD the, that's minimal? You, you
2: mean the statutory? You mean the law that's on the books, the one that's 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 insisting on including in his budget the statutory PFD that's in the law.
1: Right. Right right and even even if I mean even if the 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 statutory PFD was paid, looking at the calculations we did we did last year, the 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 tax the value of the tax avoidance dividend is still eleven thousand dollars to the top 20 percent. it's twenty one thousand twenty two thousand dollars to the top five percent and it's fifty thousand dollars. That's if the statute was followed. I mean that's 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 Hammond's original vision. If the statute was followed, the top 20% would still get those sorts of tax avoidance dividends, but that's not enough for them because they would have to pay taxes now that we've run the deficits up to the point where the other 50% is no longer sufficient to cover the deficits. That's not enough. The fact they still get a $50,000, the top 1% still gets a $50,000 tax avoidance dividend isn't enough. They want all of their potential tax burden covered. And if that means taking money out of the pockets of the remaining 80% of Alaska families, that's fine with them. Because after all, the remaining 80%, that's free money to the other 80%. They don't they don't deserve that. Well, wait a second. It's free money. Permanent fund earnings are free money. It's free money to you, jokers. It's free money to the top 20% that's being used to cover your tax, your, your tax obligation, that's being used for you to, to, to be able to avoid avoid taxes. But you don't talk about that. Gary Stevens doesn't talk about that. Right. He doesn't talk about well, the benefits the top 20% are getting out of the out of the permanent fund earnings split. It's all focused on this PFD and it's all focused on the on taking money from the from the other 80% of Alaska families. And unf- the, the yeah. hypocrisy is just huge. Unfortunately, Brad, you're the only
2: one that's talking about the top 20%. Nobody else is even really bringing that up. It's like, meh, you know, whatever, you know. and and, and unfortunately, I just, you know, this is the thing. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. I see your point. You've got the charts there. I've linked this uh, article from last year up in the chat room where you could look at these charts and you could see the actual numbers laid out there. Um, But nobody else seems to be paying attention to this. Nobody else seems to be following. I mean, they're just like, okay, well, you know, the, the I mean, it's it, it, and even yesterday we had Sarah Montalbano on from the Alaska Policy Forum, and they don't advocate any new taxes. And I'm like, well, so what's the solution? You know, well, you know, a spending cap and everything. And, and God love them, but the problem is we've been crying about the amount of spending in the state for years. We've advocated for cuts, and nobody is willing to. To take that to take that on to take on that burden of fighting for lower government and it's and we're we're di- you know we're dying on the vine because of it that's the thing we're dying on the vine all right uh, number two is coming up I can't even give you a tease because we're actually running late Brad Keithley is our guest Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets the weekly top three continues in just a moment don't go anywhere we'll be back with more right after this the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio happy tuesday <laughs> back with more right after this
0: listen to by more staffers in juno than any other show because their bosses told them to, and after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show.
2: Okay, I pushed. I pushed the wrong button. I pushed the wrong button there for a second. Let's not do that. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable, but. Yeah, Brad, I mean, I understand the argument. I think many of the listeners understand the argument. Unfortunately, nobody else is picking this up. I mean, nobody else, none of the news media, none of that. I mean, you and I have been talking about the top 20% for the last four years and how they're manipulating this whole situation and how they're the ones that are truly benefiting. That nobody else is asking the question of who pays. I mean, we're going through all this stuff, and it's like we're, pissing into the wind you know which is really self-defeating unless you're wearing rain gear you know what i mean it's just like this is where we are and i just i you know it is it's definitely frustrating it's definitely frustrating from every standpoint and you're right the hypocrisy is just astonishing i mean this is especially for gary stevens a guy who very plainly is in it for himself. This is the guy that was so incensed that the uh, that the uh, retirement and the benefits board did not include the legislators in the pay raise. So much so that he raised a stink, vetoed the pay raises, did everything else. Somehow cajoled the governor into uh, firing essentially the whole board. Rehiring new people who, within two weeks, suggested a eighty a sixty seven percent legislative pay raise, and then got it through. You know, I mean, it's it, it it talk about self serving. I mean, th- this is yes, it is
1: absolute hypocrisy,
2: and it's absolutely frustrating.
1: It, it is, Michael. I, I think part of the problem is you know Republicans are imbued with with the 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 Reaganism of no taxes. And, and we're going to, you know, whenever you use the word taxes, we're going to fight that. Um, the, and, and the PFD, PFD cuts are not called taxes. They are taxes. As, as Matt Berman from ICER has pointed out, they are, they are taxes. Uh, but, but we don't call them taxes. And so there's something else. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have the allergic reaction. Republicans don't have the allergic reaction to them that, that they have to something that, that has the term taxes. And we're also taught, we're also taught that we shouldn't engage in class warfare, that we shouldn't, you know, say, shouldn't lust after, some people would say, shouldn't lust after, you know, the success the top 20% have or the top 5% or the top 1%. That's the American system. If you're successful, you should, you should, uh, you should recognize the the success uh, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't attack it. Here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem the problem is that's right when you earn it when you earn that that increased salary or when you when you have those those huge rewards from the stock market or when you have a business that's highly successful and you and you have high income when you earn it but here's what's going on in alaska in alaska we're taking the free money from free money from the permanent fund earnings and we're subsidizing the top 20% and we're subsidizing them by taking money taking the other 50% that was supposed to go to the remaining 80% of Alaska families who really do use it, we're, were, were subsidizing the top 20% by taking money from the other 80% of Alaska families to continue this subsidy and, and to continue to to enable them to enable the top 20% to avoid taxes. So it's not. I mean, my my attacks on the top 20% aren't. You know, you earned a lot, so you ought to con- contribute a lot. That's not it at all. The attack is you guys are getting subsidized by free money and you're getting subsidized by taking that money out of the pockets of the, of the other 80%. It, it is, it, it's, it's, it's not class warfare when the class, the top 30% are beating you over the head. I mean, that, that's, that's essentially what's going on here. They, they are using their political power. They're using their status as donors to go in and take money from the other 80% to subsidize themselves. That's wrong. Right. Well, that's then, that's what we ought to be upset about. It's the modern-day robber barons is what it is.
2: And, I mean, they're doing a great job of it. I mean, that's the thing. And, and like I said, nobody else is picking it up. So, apparently, it's the right thing to do. I mean, or something. I mean, that's the, that's the direction they're going. All right. Six seconds. Jumping back into it. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the Michael Duke Show. Here we go.
0: Brad Keithley joins us every week to discuss oil, gas, and the economic forecast of Alaska. It's the Michael Dukes Show.
2: Yeah. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. It is the weekly top three. And uh, Brad's fired up this morning for good reason. Uh, You know, this is the... You know, people often ask me when I was on the Borough Assembly what it was like on the Borough Assembly. And I was like, well, just slam your hand into a door repeatedly until you're unconscious. And then when you wake up, start again. And that's, I think, what Brad and I have felt like trying to fight this thing for many years, especially with the description of what's going on with the top 20 percent for sure. Uh, But let's move on to number two, Brad. Number two of the weekly top three. And that is uh, the big question of who pays. We ask that question all the time. Okay, who pays for all this stuff that you want to do—the new programs, the child care, and the BSA increase, and the and the defined benefits, and everything else? Well, ITEP uh, w- uh, has released a new report, which is again their new their report that comes out talks about who pays in the various states. And Alaska, we're number one, baby. Wait, no, it's not the good number one though. Hit me with it here.
1: Well, it, it, Christmas came a little bit late to me this year. Uh, for somebody who loves statistics and loves uh, loves numbers and loves doing calculations, uh, uh, Christmas came after the first of the year when uh, the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy, uh, ITEP, uh, released its new uh, Who Pays study. They don't do this annually. They do it periodically. They hadn't done one since before COVID, uh, and one was due, and, and I kept looking for it, and finally it came out uh, after the first of the year. And what this study does is go through all of the states, the, the, the state and local tax systems and looks at, at the regressivity, if you will, the, 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 the way in which those tax systems are slanted, you know, against the against middle and lower income Alaska families or progressivity slanted against uh, against the top 20 percent, looks at the slope. If you will, um, of uh, of the state and local tax burdens, and it's it's always enlightening to see not only where Alaska ranks relative to the others, but but also you know re- what's really going on in some other states. This year, they added a, a, a new piece, uh, a regressivity index, uh, which enables you to calculate uh, uh, the regressivity of of various components. Um, and sort of take a deeper look if you will at what's at what's going on. And they also rank the states as they normally do. They also rank the states in terms of regressivity to progressivity. Who's who's the most regressive, got the most regressive tax burden, who's got the most progressive tax burden, um, and who's sort of right in the middle, you know, the the place that I'd like to be, the the flat tax the the spot, tax right, yeah. people. Um and sort of enables you to look at that. Um they did not include, for Alaska, they did not include PFD cuts uh, as one of the factors. And that's because PFD cuts are so unique to Alaska. It really, it's, it's hard to explain why you would include them, so they just didn't include them. But there's enough information in the report and enough information that I know that, that you, can, you can learn about the PFD when you study it. There's enough information to do the calculations to figure out uh, where Alaska falls when you include the PFD here's here's the the rankings uh in the normal rankings without including the pfd alaska is number 20 uh in terms of regressive in terms of regressivity florida is number 1 with a regressivity index of minus -9.2% you can go into the itep report and understand how they calculate that uh, it's fairly it's fairly common sense it's the difference basically the difference between uh, uh uh the the tax burden on the top 1% the tax burden on the on the middle income and the tax burden on the on the lowest 20% what the difference is and the regressivity index for Florida who's number 1 in the in the report is minus uh, 9.2 Alaska comes in without including the PFD cuts uh comes in at number 20 with a regressivity index of minus 4.4 not great not bad just sort of you know it's in the middle third um uh of the nation but when you include pfd cuts which is what uh, uh which is what you're able to do now with the with all the information that's out there both in their report as well as uh, as well as uh, our, our understanding of the pfd generally when you look at pfd cuts pfd cuts alone standing alone let's assume alaska had no other taxes just pfd cuts the regressivity index of PFD cuts alone is minus minus 11.2 percent, higher than number one, higher than Florida's regressivity index. Standing alone, Alaska also has uh, also has a regress has a regressive tax system separate and apart from PFD cuts. That's why we rank number 20. That's why we have a minus minus 4.4 percent regressivity index um, uh, when you don't include the PFD. So when you layer in the, the the other tax burdens that Alaska has, the sales taxes at the local level, property taxes at the local level, uh, the fees that you've got uh, at, the, at the state level, when you layer those in and, and then add on the PFD cuts, Alaska's regressivity index is minus 16.2%, clearly far and away number one. In the nation, most regressive tax system uh, in the nation, almost double—not quite, but almost double the other—the the the number one in the ITEP report, Florida at nine point two percent, at sixteen at sixteen point two percent, Alaska clearly blows everybody else away in terms of the most regressive tax system, the the tax system most biased against middle and lower income Alaska families. The tax system that ICER told us in the 2016 study, because of its regressivity, has the largest adverse impact on the, on the overall Alaska economy. Clearly, Alaska's uh, number one in that. And even standing alone, just PFD cuts alone, assuming assuming away the, the remainder of the Alaska tax system, we're number one even with just PFD cuts at, at minus 11.2%. Again, you know, it, if 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 this was if if somehow everybody was treated being treated equally okay i mean that's we got a regressive tax system we're just going to have to live with it but that's not what's going on going back to the first segment what's going on is we're taking money out of middle and lower income alaska families to subsidize the top 20% so that they don't have to pay any taxes at all to subsidize their their tax avoidance uh dividend so it's just I mean, it 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 is it is grating to see Alaska uh, uh, at that level because of that system, because of a system that's subsidizing the top twenty percent at the expense uh, of the remaining eighty percent. But you know, setting setting all the philosophy aside, the numbers now clearly show that that including PFD cuts, Alaska is the most regressive tax system in the nation. You know, people people objected when Matt Berman said. Uh, uh, that uh, the PFD cuts, when Matt Berman from ICER said last year, that PFD cuts are the most regress- regressive tax system ever proposed. Some people said, "Oh no, there's you know sales taxes can be more regressive, or or property taxes if they're done a certain way can be can be more regressive." No, this clearly shows that PFD cuts indeed are the most regressive tax system uh, that's ever that's ever been proposed anywhere uh, in the United States. So we found we've got the numbers to back it up.
2: But but again, we're the only one. We're the only ones that are talking about this. Matt Berman came out with that article, and as you said, he got the hell beat out of him because oh no, it you know they, it's like they didn't argue on 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 the taxation portion of the PFD. They got down into the brass tacks of oh well, there are others that are more regressive. They but they couldn't argue with the point that it is essentially a tax so again th- nobody else is really talking about this nobody else is really talking about the more you take the pfd the more you disconnect the public in the private economy nobody else is really talking i mean all these other things are like oh it'll all be fine don't worry nothing to see here move along
1: well michael when you've got a legislature that gave itself a raise that put all of them in the top 20 percent even the even those that wouldn't earn that in the private sector put them in the put those legislator's uh, in in the in the top 20 percent, when you've got a, a system that does that, when you've got a, a system that is has unrestricted donations, political donations, so the top 20 percent can virtually finance anybody's campaign uh, just on their just on their own bottom. All you have to do is you know call up three or four or five or six donors, and you've got your campaign campaign financed. You don't have we don't we don't have now what we used to have, which are limitations that force candidates to go out and sell themselves make themselves palatable to a broad specter now they only have to go out and, you know and, and satisfy two or three donors and they get enough money uh, to finance to finance their campaigns when you've got a system that's moved all the legislators into the top 20% when you've got a system that enables that that has unlimited political donations you've got a system that has just yeah it's not republican or democrat it is it is it, it is you know the, the the old power Baron or the old the old robber barons. You've got a system that's turned Alaska into the old robber Baron system.
2: Well, this is what we talked about early in the year. I mean this is not a question of you know Republicans versus Democrats. those labels don't really apply in this state. It is a, you know, do you want larger government? You know, more invasive, more expensive. Do you want larger government or do you want less government? That's what it's really about. That's the do you want the good old boys? Do you want the business as usual crowd or do you want to change things up of the way things are done? That's what we should be looking at these days. I mean, quit looking at the at the at the party labels because they mean nothing, essentially, uh, for many of the players that are in there right now in our government. The question is, do you want. Government to control the economy and government to control the spend and the government economy to be what everything's all about. Or do you want a robust private economy that employs people, creates entrepreneurship, does that, has government out of their hair, less occupational licensing, less regulation? That's really the two groups that are in there right now. And, of course, the group that's winning is the business as usual robber baron crowd.
1: And the top 20%, Alaska's top 20% has sold out. I mean, not not to a man. There are some who fight this, but but they have sold out. And why have they sold out? Because because the deal has been struck. And you can see this going all the way back to Natasha. You can see this going all the way back into the into the mid-20 teens. We've we've they've struck a deal that as long as they don't get taxed, as long as we use PFD cuts, as long as we tax middle and lower income Alaska families to pay for this growing government, the top 20% won't object. That's the deal. That's that's the deal that, that you see come through clearly in the legislature. That's the deal you see clearly come through in the trade associations. As long as you don't tax us, as long as you, and in the case of the old industries, you don't, as long as you don't tax us more, as long as you don't tax us, we'll let you spend whatever you want and we'll let you take it out of the PFD. And if that means the PFD goes from the statutory PFD to POMB 5050, which is about a what a $600 million cut in the PFD right there, and, and then POMB 5050 doesn't work, so POMB 75 or 2575, or if that doesn't work, then leftover PFD, if, 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 if that's what it takes, the top 20% tells themselves, if that's what it takes, we'll live with that because that means the Democrats and that means other people won't come after, have agreed that they won't come after and tax us. Why do you see, why do you see uh, Zach Fields, the most liberal uh, representative in the legislature? Why do you see Zach Fields write op-eds about uh about cutting the PFD that, that we need to cut the PFD that's a good thing we're putting this money into government we're putting this money into schools we're putting this money into why do you see Zach Fields write those op-eds because the top 20 has made the deal with Zach Fields we'll let you spend on whatever you want to spend on we'll put up sort of a fight but we'll let you spend on whatever you want to spend on as long as you don't come after us uh, to pay for it as long as you take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. That's that's the deal that's been cut in Alaska. And and it's not Democrat or Republican. I mean Democrats are as part as much part of the problem as Republicans are. But who's paying the who's paying for all that? It's lower is middle and lower income Alaska families. And according to the ICER 2016 study, it's the overall Alaska economy that ends up that ends up paying the burden. So the top 20% don't have to pay taxes and and the democrats can go spend on whatever they want to spend on
2: brad, brad keithley Alaska's for sustainable budgets a <laughs> little wrapped up about this but uh, with good reason we're going to continue that discussion on k12 and more when we return the michael duke show common sense radio If you missed
0: the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Tell me how you really
1: feel, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Just just tell me how you really feel. Gary Stevens. I mean, the, the gigantic P.I. I was sort of going along with large PFDs, mega PFDs. Okay. All right. If that's, but gigantic, I mean, that's what triggered me. That, that, when I read that over the weekend, I was, I was in another, another.
2: Yeah. Could we say gigantic pay raise at the same time? I mean, that's the, you know, that, but that's okay. That's okay. We can justify that. Um Randy, I love you so much, brother, but seriously, Randy says PFD cuts are not a true tax. Most people know that. Randy, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to take the word of an ICER member, a professor uh, of university, an expert in taxation and those kind of I'm going to take his word for it over yours when he says this is really a tax, even though they don't call it a tax. This is really a tax. I mean, you know, God
1: love you, brother, but I'm just not going to I'm just not going to stand around for that. Uh, that, that, I mean, boy. that's that's part of the problem, right? I mean, Randy's not in the top 20%, but, but Randy ha- is, has drunk the Kool-Aid about, hey, it's okay to take my PFD um, and and thinking you're taking my PFD and you're going to spend more on government. That's not what's going on, Randy. What's going on is they're taking your PFD and they're insulating the top 20% more from having to pay for government. It, it The dollars that they're taking from your pocket are effectively dropping through to the dollars in in Natasha's pocket because she doesn't have to pay taxes that she otherwise would if we we paid your PFD. And and Natasha is growing richer and richer and richer and richer while you're growing poorer and poorer and poorer. And you're loving it. I mean, that's that's the part that I don't get. You know, people say, yeah, whack me some more. I mean, it's, come on. This is what's going on, people. The top 20% are using you. Well, it's the same
2: argument to say, well, I'm all for the PFD as long as we have a balanced budget. As long as there's a PFD and there's money to draw from – you're ne- they're always going to spend it. It's all the money that's available to them and then some. They're never going to say, well, you know, we've got some extra money in the PFD and we should just give that to the people. No, no, I've got a special project that I need to be paid for over here. I need to do this or I need to do that or define benefits or the schools. or what I mean, it's always something. There's always something else that's going to be paid for. Um, I mean, that's, that's part of the problem. That's why you've got to have a spending cap on top of a – if you do – Get the pfd constitutionalized and protected you've got to have a spending cap because otherwise they will create more taxes uh even if you had a flat tax today they would spend every dollar of it unless there is some kind of governor on top of that with like a uh, you know a spending cap because otherwise you're just going to spend all the available money and then some
1: i don't i don't disagree with that michael but there's going to be a sea change if natasha had to pay fifty thousand dollars in taxes which is what she should have to pay in order to preserve, in order to, in order to observe uh, Hammond's original 50-50 split. If Natasha had to pay $50,000 in state taxes, and that's a flat tax. That's not a progressive tax. I'm not trying to tax the rich, soak the rich. It's a flat tax. Everybody pays the same. If Natasha had to pay $50,000 in taxes, she would be at the front, at the bleeding edge of saying, stop that spending. We can do this better. Stop spending. We can do schools better. We can do roads, but we can do other things better. Stop that spending. But because she doesn't have to pay it, because she's getting rich out of Randy's out of Randy's PFD that he's willingly given up, um, she's not saying that. She's not saying stop that spending. She's saying, yeah, I understand. You got to spend more on schools. You got to spend more on infrastructure. You got to spend more on whatever the hell the next thing is that they come up with. I understand that. I don't have to pay for it. So, you know, I don't care. If she had to pay $50,000, if she had to pay $75,000 in taxes, we would have a much different state than, than, than we've got right now. We would have a much more conservative, a much less costly, a much more uh, 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 business-type run state. But because she doesn't have to pay taxes, she's been at the forefront of, okay, let's spend more. Right. Right. And maybe Donna's argument
2: here will help Randy. She says, "Okay, PFD cuts are not taxes or they would have an equal protection problem. PFD cuts are, however, confiscatory. So they act like taxes, only worse because they don't have an equal protection. Uh, Again, taxes are, you know, when, when you have an official tax, they at least try for some kind of equitability. But in this case... It's not. There is no equitability protection on that. And it is, in fact, regressive and affecting the lower 80 uh, percent more than the upper 20 percent. That's just the bottom line in that regard. So I don't know if that
1: helps you, Randy, or not. Um, Harold says Rand-
2: – oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Randy just wants to give his money to Natasha. I mean, it's just yep, – yeah. you, you've got people like that. and that's And so Gary Stevens, when Gary Stevens is going to give a speech about this, he's going to point to Randy. He's not, I mean, that's part of the problem, Michael, we've got right there. You've got people in the bottom 80% who say, yeah, it's fine. Take my PFD, I don't care.
2: Yeah, no, exactly, and of course this it can't be in a vacuum. It's got to be it's got to be a multi pronged approach. You've got to have a spending cap on top of that, because even if you go to a flat tax, they'll spend every dollar and then some. If you go in and take more oil dollars, as Harold advocates, sure they'll just spend it all. You've got to have some you've got to have some spending controls in there as well. All right, five seconds. Uh, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty Base, Free Thicket, Yada yada yada. Public
0: enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the Uh, Michael
2: Duke show. Yes, a pain in the you-know-what to everyone everywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Brad Keithley is our guest. The weekly top three continues. We're on to number three. Which is the discussion on K-12 spending. Uh, Of course, we all saw the pictures from the weekend in Anchorage where the newspaper gushed about hundreds, hundreds of people, multiple hundreds. And every picture I looked at, there may have been a hundred people there. But they made it sound like it was multiples of a 100 everybody's wearing red everybody's all about it of course it's the unions that are out there and Joel hall and all that other stuff but brad wants to talk about those who are pushing for increased k-12 funding uh funding want everyone to pay except for them i'm sensing a theme here i'm i'm sensing a theme <laughs> that everyone pays except for those
1: top tw- brad give give me give me your thoughts on this there is there is a theme. Uh, once I saw Gary Stevens quote, I, I was on I was on a roll. There is a theme here. When you look at the speakers uh, uh, who spoke in in at the Anchorage, uh, whatever you want to call it, the Anchorage uh, the, BSA rally, BSA rally. Thank you. The, at the Anchorage BSA rally. When you look at the speakers, every one of them is in the top 20 percent. Every one of them is is saying you know uh, increase the bsa reverse the veto override the veto increase increase k through 12 spending and the subtext of every one of those speakers was and i don't have to pay for it
2: well and every one of them is a direct recipient of a benefit from increasing the bsa every one of them teachers administrators union members everyone because again Nobody wants to mandate that the BSA increase goes directly into the classroom. They don't care. You know, and some of it, some places, the BSA less than 50% of the BSA is going into the classroom. So they are direct benefit. It's a hypocrisy. It's even worse hypocrisy than the Gary Stevens situation because they're down there saying, give me money.
1: No, there's no no more worse hypocrisy than (laughs) Gary Stevens. I'm not going to concede that. (laughs) But but it is it is huge it's huge hypocrisy it's huge hypocrisy. I mean, teachers themselves, the average the the span of of, of teacher pay in this state, beginning teachers are in the middle and lower income brackets, right? They're they're not in the top twenty percent yet. Senior teachers are in the top twenty percent, but 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 beginning and sort of you know early in your career teachers are not in the top twenty percent. So they're essentially their their reps are saying take money from them take money from their pockets and move it into, you know, the top 20 percents pockets by, by not having, not having to pay taxes. Now true teachers will benefit from, from the BSA increase. And so they get some of it back. Those teachers get some of it back, but Randy and others don't get any of it back. You're just moving money into the, into the pockets of the, of the K through 12, you know, industry. Uh, and uh, and not getting any of it back like at least some teachers are. So but it, but it's just, I mean, every one of them, every one of them who spoke and said, we need to increase funding. we need to override the veto. We need to pass increased BSA funding. It just the hypocrisy of it as I as I as I watched the videotape as I as I read the articles and as I worked through who the speakers were, the hypocrisy of every last one of them, being in the top 20% and not being and 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 you know arguing for this knowing they're not gonna have to pay for it that it's gonna come out of out of the other 80 percent's pockets that just that was just you know overwhelming to me it it we we don't have us we we don't have personal responsibility in this state we've got a state where now we've got our leaders our leaders all of whom are saying yeah spend more on this spend more on that do more this way do more that way but don't, don't make me pay for it. I mean, take it out of the pockets of, of Randy. I mean, he's willingly giving it up. Take, take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. Don't make, don't make me pay for it. And they have no sense of personal responsibility. Jesse Bjorkman gets up there, you know, state Senator from Kenai, uh, gets up there and says, Oh, my little Tommy is in a class with 30. I don't want him in a class with 30. He needs to be in a class with, you know, with 20 or, 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 or less uh, class size is a problem. You know, give me money, give me your money (laughs) so that so that my Tommy can 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 be in a be in a smaller class. Never notwithstanding the fact that Jesse Jesse's in the top 20 percent himself. He doesn't have to pay for it. It's you know, we got a clause in the Alaska Constitution that says that 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 citizens are have a have a shared responsibility to each other. Right. Our leaders don't believe that. What they well, believe is the is the is the other 80 percent has a responsibility to them. Right. And 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 their responsibility is that uh, we don't have any responsibility. Well, we have a responsibility to ask for more and more and more. But 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 we don't have any responsibility to pay for it.
2: Well, I'm talking about responsibility and accountability. I mean, there were discussions during the last last uh, last half of the session where they're like, OK, well, we can vote for this BSA. But you got to put some accountability measures in there. That they've got to hit certain metrics or things have got to go, and that was a non-starter. That was that got zero votes. That got voted down hard. We don't want to put accountability into these dollars that you're that we're asking for, or that we're not just asking for. We're demanding. We're demanding these dollars, and don't you dare put any accountability on it, even though. We're 48th and 49th, and all the NEEP scores and everything else. I mean, that doesn't matter. We just, we just have to have more money to fix it, but don't put any accountability on us on top of that. Uh, Cindy says in the chat room, she said she saw this on the news, watched the news broadcast of the BSA rally, is what she's talking about. And she said, um, uh, she said, "I saw this on the news. None of the teachers interviewed ever mentioned the kids. It was all about them and their salary. It sounds like Gary Stevens, but even the teachers, they don't understand. Half of that money never makes it to the teachers or the classroom. It's go. It's getting sucked up by overhead. It's getting. I mean, when you've got two to three administrators for every teacher." Who do you think is going to get the lion's share of that? Even if you split it equally, if you've got two administrators for every teacher, they're only getting a third of it. If you've got three, then they're only getting a quarter. And all the and, and what's going on with the administrative numbers across the state and has over the last 20 years, the administrative numbers are skyrocketing up and the teacher numbers are going down. Well, that's and the student enrollment is going down. Why? Well, because they found a way to create the education industrial complex if you want to you know borrow a phrase that's what's going on it's about protecting those jobs those positions those hires and the unions are all about that because they get paid what the more people you put in there the more money they get paid
1: you know the school boards uh uh, uh rob meyer's point made a point to me yesterday that i think is a good one he said the school boards that have hit the max right Uh, or even the school boards that haven't hit the max that don't want to put any more in it. What they're, what the school boards are essentially saying is I don't, I I either can't because I've hit the max or I don't want to tax my region anymore uh, for, uh, uh, for increased, uh, for increased K through 12 spending. But you know, there's this, this state up there that I can go to. I don't have any responsibility for it. I don't, I'm in the top 20%. I don't have to pay for it. There's this state I, I can go to and say, it's the state's fault. The state won't give me the money. I would love to give you more money, teachers. I would love to have a defined benefit program. I would love to be, you know, Santa Claus for you, but I can't do it because I either can't tax my people anymore, or or they won't they won't pay any more uh, in taxes to pay for it. But the state, go go go, complain to the state. So you get all these school board members up there who are saying you need to you need to pay more. Well, you know, have some responsibility have some personal responsibility in the stake and then i'll listen and then i will listen to you I mean, right if, if if jesse bjorkman says we need to tax ourselves to to, to pay for increased k-12 through i'll listen to him but as long as he's saying we need to cut the pfd we need to take more money out of middle and lower income alaska families in order to increase uh k-12 spending it's just i mean it's self-serving to the max yeah Brad Keithley, Alaska's Four sustainable budgets.
2: Uh, we got so we're down to the last twenty seconds. All right, Brad. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Appreciate the Tuesday beating as usual. Thank you, Michael. As always, thanks for having me. I mean, you know, I'm uh, I'm upset too. Uh, it's frustrating. All right, we got to continue the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. And, you know, I'm not trying to beat up on Randy, but Randy is the poster child for what the rest of the state is going through. Because they're all like, oh, don't tax me. Go ahead and take my PFD. Don't tax me. Not realizing that, essentially, they are. I mean, it's a billion plus. If they took the whole PFD, it's what, $1.3 billion in taxes if they take the whole PFD? Uh well, and 1.44. 4, what is it? 1.4. 2.4, 2, 2. I
1: think, Two
2: point four. Anyway, it's a huge number. It's a huge number in taxes. And if they're all running around like, oh, don't tax me. Well, you, you know, take that PFD, don't tax me. It'll be fine. It is a tax. It's confiscatory. I mean, Donna's right. I mean, it's like they've taken it away, and they're going to spend every dollar of it. And do you think, based on their track record, that after they take the PFD completely, do you think that they're just going to stop there and go, oh, well, we're out of money now? Do you
1: think that's Michael, what's going to happen? Michael, it's not that they've spent it. I mean, I mean, even, even if they've spent it, then yeah, I'm being taxed unfairly, but I'm taxed unfairly in a lot of ways. You know, I I sort of agree to agree to to go along with it. It's not that it is it you're being taxed to protect the top 20 percent from being taxed. You're being taxed. Money's being taken out of your bank account so that money can stay in the bank accounts of the top 20 percent. You're giving up you know winter fuel or you're giving up whatever you would use your pfd for so the top 20 percent could take another trip to hawaii that's that's what's going on here that's the infuriating thing that's going on if all of us were being taxed and all of us were being taxed roughly proportionately even if we were using a sales tax that's slightly regressive if all of us were being taxed okay yeah, all right. Let's fight about what we're being taxed about. But at least the top twenty percent are in the fight then. But that's not what's going on. R- Dollars are being taken out of Randy's pocket to to stay in Natasha's pocket. Randy is subsidizing Natasha. That's what's going on, and that's the infuriating thing about this. We're not all in this together. The top twenty percent through PFD cuts has figured out a way where the, where the other 80% are in this and they don't have to be. That's, that's what's going on. And that is to me, the, the thing that's most infuriating about it. It's the 80% are being taken advantage of. They're being played for fools and, and, and they're willing, and some Randy are willingly going along with it. Right. That's just, I don't, it just it just drives me crazy to to see that happening to see and and to see that to see the 80% being taken advantage of and on top of that according to the 2016 ICER study that approach has the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy so not only is it Randy being played a fool it, it we are hurting our own economy you know we talk about republicans talk about oh the economy everything's about the economy well guys You're voting for a system that has the largest adverse impact on the overall economy.
2: Well, we got to define what the economy is for many of these Republicans is that, you know, it's the government, right? I mean, it's the government spend. That's the economy in many of these people's minds. As long as the government economy is doing fine. Everything else is gravy because they don't care what happens in the private economy because they're, you know, and many of them are receiving their funds. They're double dipping because they're receiving what was the comment that uh, uh, that Rob made uh, earlier. He said some people are getting subsidized twice because they're making their money from the state in the first place. Right. Gary, Gary, Gary Stevens, Gary Stevens being, being a great example. Yeah. Again, that is the whole point. Um and it's it, it it's it's frustrating because you know we can see it, and then there the, again the folks are out there like um uh you know the the folks like Randy again, oh Randy says pay the P- biggest PFd possible just make sure everything fits within a balanced budget, no deficit spending if you want a bigger PFd then advocate for sp but again that's like Randy's argument that give them as much money as they want, and they'll learn fiscal responsibility. <laughs> That was, an argue, that was an argument that he had years ago with me. He said, oh, you just, we just give them the money they want. They'll eventually learn fiscal. It's like giving a teenager a limitless credit card and say, you know, control your spending. Are you kidding me? Just give them everything they want, and they'll eventually learn. You want to pay a PFD, just make sure it fits within a balanced budget? If you give them the option to take it, they will, they have. What's the track record?
1: They will spend all of that and then more as long as and, and 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 add on top of that Michael, as long as they don't have to, as long as they don't have to pay for it. I mean that's what's going I mean Randy says advocate advocate for budget cuts shit we have for uh, I'm not sure well we're not on the air uh, we have for you know a decade, more than a decade going back to the to the late 2000s, 2008 we could see this going on. 2007, 2006 we can see this going on. We've advocated that for a long time. The problem, Randy, is not everybody is in the same situation. The top 20% have figured out how to insulate themselves from paying for any of it, so they don't care. And they don't care because they're taking money out of your pocket and keeping it in their pocket. They don't care. If you get all of us to care, we'll push back on spending. Spending will go down. But as long as the top 20%, the donor class, those who can buy and sell legislators, those who are legislators themselves—all of them are in the top twenty percent. As long as they don't have to pay for it, they don't care. Right, and, and that's and, that, and that's where that's what we've gotten to in this state.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating. I mean, it's been ten years now that Brad and I have been. Twenty fourteen is when he and I started talking to legislators asking them specifically if they could cut it down to the icer numbers of 3.9 then four then 4.1 billion they all agreed and then nothing happened it's it's ultimately frustrating brad we're out of time we gotta go thank you so much for coming on board it's good to talk with you my friend michael thanks for still having me (laughs) go go have some blood pressure medicine all right we gotta go the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Live around the world on the Internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that was like, oof. Man, Brad was fired up in that last segment. If you're just joining us, uh, welcome to the program. And uh, you missed the 6 o'clock club which you can be a member of simply by coming on a program and, uh, and you know, getting here early and uh, being here in the 6 o'clock hour. Brad Keithley with Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets was our guest, and he uh, just came on board uh, and finished up with us with the weekly top three, and it was uh, fire. It was on fire this last segment. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast, which is available wherever you find podcasts, including uh, Spotify or iTunes or Google Play or wherever it is. Um, And, of course, uh, you can go back and watch it on the replay on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you want as well. uh, Because we simulcast the show every day uh, on those platforms, both YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and everywhere else. Um, so here we are, hour two of the Tuesday. Uh, that means that at the end of the show today, Chris Story will be joining us for our weekly uplift, uh life coaching lesson, uh, our self-analysis, our, you know, our, it, it's our chance to kind of, you know, bring ourselves together and, uh, and try and improve, uh, uh, improve ourselves, self-improvement. Uh, So I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to that here at the end of the hour today. We're going to need it by the time we get there, for sure. Uh, And I look, I feel Brad's frustration. I mean, Brad and I um, started working together. I started having Brad on the show uh, when I moved down to Anchorage in 2014, uh, 10 years ago. It's been 10 years now. Uh, And uh, we started right off the bat with discussions on state spending, what was going on. At that time, we had the early ICER report, which was basically saying, uh, you know, that we needed to bring state spending down to a certain amount to prevent a lot of the issues that we're facing today. Um, of de- deficit spending and, you know, damage to the uh, private economy and everything else. And at the time, ICER had some numbers out. And they said, look, if you can, and it started out in 2014, it started out with a number of $3.9 billion. If we can hold the state budget down to $3.9 billion, then we can, you know, then we can, you know, this ship can right itself, essentially. Uh, If we do that, if we hold it down to three point nine, we can get it done. And in that first year, we had people uh, because 2014 was an election year uh, and we had people who were, you know, okay. well, can can you do this? We talked to legislators. Can you hold the line there? Oh, yes, we can hold the line. And of course, it didn't happen. And so the next time the numbers got rejiggered by ICER, okay, it's four billion. Okay, it's 4.1 billion. And every time we'd have legislators on the program, we'd talk to them and we'd say, Can you hold the line at this amount? Oh, yes, of course we can hold the line at that amount. And it never happened. It never, they didn't even struggle. when the amounts were 4.5 and 4.6 and 4.8 billion dollars for state budgets, even though they'd come on the program and say, Oh, yes, we agree. We think uh, we think ICER's right. Yes, we can agree to the 4.0 or the 4.1 billion dollars. Yes, we agree. We put them all in rocket chairs, right? And they're all nodding. Oh, yeah, we can do that. And it never, ever happened. And we started to see that this was about making sure that they protected the public spend. As long as the public spend is okay, then we're okay. And we then we started seeing companies like, I mean, GCI, and they came out, and that was when the uh the debates were up over the PFD, when the first PFD got got cut, and then um, you know, Ron Duncan and company from GCI, they spent two million dollars on an advertising campaign to convince people that they didn't need their pfd why because gci needed that pfd gci and other state vendors who were receiving big government contracts needed that money to keep their bottom line in the red or in the black whichever one is the good one right i mean they needed that money they built their whole they built their whole business model on the dependency of government so, of course, they're not they're not in favor of giving the full PFD to the people. I mean, that was Walker's conundrum. Walker's conundrum was, <clears throat> we got all this spending. They want to spend it all. We don't have that much money. I mean, at that point, they were spending down the CBR. Remember, we spent $16 billion out of the CBR, the Constitutional Budget Reserve, in the 20-teens. Because we, we started off with nearly $18 billion in there. And every year, they just started drawing money down from savings hard. And so his answer was, okay, well, we'll just cut the PFD. And at the time, you know, quite honestly, I thought that was, I thought the people were going to be incensed about it. Because you don't touch the, P, the PFD up until that point was the third rail of politics. And I thought as soon as that happened and then as soon as the state Senate refused to challenge it because that was going to be the next thing. Oh, well, they're they're going to override that veto, right? Because he line item vetoed a portion of the PFD, which means, by the way, while using the excuse, oh, we need this for state government. Of course, anybody who's paying attention knows that the money didn't go to state government. The money simply remained in the ERA because the governor does not have the power of appropriation. He can only, he can only veto appropriations and leave the money where it's, where it's at. <clears throat> so instead, he vetoed half the PFD and left it in the earnings reserve. And in fact, for three years, that's exactly what happened every year. Veto the PFD. And the remainder sat in the earnings reserve account. None of it was spent for government in those first three years. It wasn't until year four or five that they actually started to draw on a portion of those funds that were in the ERA. And then the Senate, in their infinite wisdom, passed SB 26, which was the uh, it was a POMV model, the market, you know, the market value model for the dividend, putting it at odds with the same statute that was already on the books for the statutory PFD. And they set us up for where we're at today with two competing statutes that fight over the same amount of money. And instead of fixing it, instead of addressing it, instead of going in and adjusting the statutory PFD or whatever, they just leave it on the books and they ignore it. And here we are 10 years later. Facing exactly the same challenges, only now we're spending $6 billion on state government. I mean, 10, 10 years, folks, we went from discussions of only spending $3.9 billion to spending $6 billion, $7 billion on state government. What happens in another 10 years? Now, if they take the full PFD and it's two point whatever billion dollars, do you really think that when that's done and they've taken every dollar of your PFD, do you think that they will stop their spending spree there? Past performance is indicative of future results. What do you think will happen? Well, then you'll hear the argument, as I've opined on this program many times, then you'll hear the argument of, well, you know, Alaskans, you guys really need to pay your fair share. You know, other states have got taxes and we don't. And your free ride is just, you know, what was the, what was it, Hannigan or who was it in, in, in Juneau that said free rides die hard? Free rides? Again, you realize that the PFD is the ultimate expression of capitalism since we are all owners in the state. It was our share of those mineral of that, of that mineral wealth. That's really what it was about because we have this quasi-socialistic constitution. It was one of the few ways that Hammond could figure out to make sure that we as owners got a slice of that instead of it all going to government. I mean, the the legislature of the state of Alaska has got a track, not just this sitting legislature, but every legislature in the state of Alaska has got a a, just a piss-poor track record of being able to manage and spend money and to have long-term vision for where it's going. I mean, how many times have I told you that... In 19 was the 6869 when that first big royalty check hit the state. when they got that first big check that was nearly a billion dollars. It was 900 million in change that that just just dropped like a rock from orbit into the state bank account. And the legislature then went just absolutely mad on a spending spree. I mean, they gave drunken sailors a bad name kind of spending spree, you realize at the time that the state budget was only about $160 million? That was the entirety of the state budget? And they got a single royalty check that was five times, six times what the annual budget was? And they burned through that $900 million so fast it would make your head spin? And that's when happened. was like, Whoa. Whoa. Wait a second. What happens when we get the next one? What's government going to look like then? What is the spending going to look like then? We're going to build up a bureaucracy that's big enough to make it all. I mean, this is a hot, hot mess. And what's going on? Where are we today? We're at a place where government has become all important and all consuming, that the government economy is the number one priority. What happens to the private economy? Well, we don't really care because we don't draw any money from there. We get all of our money from, you know, the POMV, we get all of our money from oil royalties and everything else. As long as the state economy is doing okay, the private, you know, the government economy is doing okay. The the private economy, it don't matter a whit. That's where we're at today. All right, um, I got. I'm going to open up some phone lines right now. I actually have one line on hold. I actually had the phones already on. I see somebody's on hold, and then we're going to do the next segment. We'll do some phone calls. We'll have some more discussions on this before we get to Chris' story at the end of the show. But let's go over to the phones right now to see what uh, to see what you have to say. Nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. We go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
3: Hey, Michael. It's Bull from Fairbanks.
2: Morning, Bull. What's on your mind, sir?
3: How you doing? Uh, just everything you're talking about, about the PFD. And blind man should be able to see this on a dark night, what they're setting up. They've been taking, taking, taking from the PFD. What are they pushing now? They're pushing this new benefit package, which already put the state how many billion in debt?
2: I mean, the state's already $6 billion in debt from the and last time, yeah.
3: I can tell you what's coming. There's lawyers out there waiting with bated breath because they're gonna get this new benefit package in. And then in the next few years, it's gonna be obvious the state's not gonna be able to keep up with payments to retirees. The lawyers are gonna come in and they're gonna go after the corpus of the permanent fund and it is state money. And that will be the end of the permanent fund because the lawyers will walk away from that after a year, two year, three year battle with a large chunk of it. And the rest of it will be locked down to pay state workers benefits in retirement. And people need to see it. The revolution's over. We lost the revolution this summer of 2020. And it's just something for people to think about, look into it, think about it. And one other quick note, if you want to wonder how it all happened, go back and can you tell me, Michael, what day did the riots in the summer of 2020 quit? They quit on a certain day. do you recall uh i
2: i do not uh, I do not recall the certain day that the riots quit um, uh, not not right off the top of my head. day. Election, election
3: day election day, election
2: day like a light switch okay so what are you think into? about it yeah All have right. a good day michael thank you thank you bull appreciate your call uh 907-433-3150 if you want to sound off now's the time to do it uh we're coming up in the next segment we'll have open line open form. We can have more discussions on all this. I'll bring up some questions or comments from the chat room as well. And then we'll have Chris Story at the end of the show. It is the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can always join us on Facebook during the show. If you'd like to participate, facebook.com slash Show. Back with more right after this.
0: Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Hat, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show.
2: Okay. Um, <clears> okay. <throat> Uh, the lower and middle classes, uh, are the ones getting the raw into the deal as long as the upper class businesses are exempt from being taxed. Um, G- Terry says GCI should have been run out of the state. Um, Chris, uh, Brian says to stay with the parlance of Randy. They're preventing money from going into your pocket money to which you're entitled, by the way, so they can continue to benefit without paying. That's that's, I, I'm with you right there. the uh, Lincoln. Please no more of the Chris story garbage. Well, Islenska, you can just you know turn the radio off if it offends you that much. It's one of my favorite segments of the week so it's not going anywhere anytime soon but uh you know you're there's a dial or a button and you're welcome to press it if that's if it's causing you heartache I don't want to cause you heartache um <laughs> um does Senator Bjorkman get his school teacher salary the same time he spends three months in session? That's a good question. I don't know. I'm assuming that he has to take some kind of leave of absence from his job um, to do the the thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine that he's doing school stuff while he's working in the legislature. I would imagine that he's got to take some kind of leave of absence for that. Um I'm going through uh, going through some of the past comments here. Uh, Gary says, the BSA is outright theft of public monies. All these idiots marching in red saying, give us money. No one says how to find it or how to fund it. Cut off UAF and use those extra funds. I, I mean, I think that there's plenty of <clears> – <throat> it's not just UAF. I think that there's plenty of things out there that – we could be looking at and the idea that somehow we are underfunding schools when we send, you know, we're spending two plus billion, $2.4 billion, $2.6 billion on education. And for them to say that we're just underfunding it, I mean, for a hundred and less than 150,000 was 154,000 kids, something like that. I mean, <clears throat> $2.6 billion? Education is no different than any other good or service. When you shell out for a good or service, you expect something of value in return. Pumping out a bunch of young people that can't read beyond a third grade level or perform basic math is not a good return on investment. Well, and again, any form of accountability that they attempt to bake into that is immediately riddled full of holes. They have no interest in doing any of those, no interest in being, you know, any of that. I mean, Tyler, I love Tyler, just vote harder.
1: I know, man, I know. Oh,
2: anyway, all hail the state from which all things come. Hail state. Just stay ungovernable, my friends. That's all we can do at this point. Hashtag get off my lawn. (laughs) Just leave me alone. Just leave me the hell alone at this point is all I can say to this. All right. Um, What was the other? I've got – wait a second. I've got a story. Um uh, what was the story? There was another story that I wanted to touch on. Um looking through it here. I've forgotten what it was. Um there we go. I guess I, I guess that wasn't the story that I wanted to talk about, but we'll continue it. All right. Uh so we got more. Uh we're gonna we're gonna jump into this. Everybody is all about everybody's all about the BSA. It's all about that BSA. It's all about that BSA um okay we're not underfunding students the school district admins think they are underfunded yeah i mean i have questions i have questions for that for sure all right here we go um the michael yeah trump is going to solve all your problems (laughs) yeah right uh here we go the michael duke show Common sense radio Okay. Um here we are. We got one uh, one segment here before we jump into it with Chris Story, the man from Homer who's going to be joining us here shortly to give us our weekly uplift. So, here's a chance for you to sound off and talk about it. you know, I mean, if you just listen to Brad's uh, you know, weekly top 3 and then you just listen to my my diatribe at the top of the hour about what was, uh, you know, what was going on. Um, And you're like, you're right on. Or if you're like, you're a moron, Dukes. You have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I would love to hear what you guys have to say about this. Uh, We uh, have got a segment here before we bring on Chris Story that we can talk about. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Nine zero seven four three 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 one five zero. If you've got a, if you've got some thoughts on this, I want to hear what you have to say, because I don't know. Quite honestly, I don't know how to get this message across, in a larger way, in a bigger way. Like I said, Brad and I have been arguing with the people and fighting for this, for ten years on the program overall. Um. I've been arguing about the size and scope of government for 20, going on 25 years. 1999 was when this program really started. Uh, On a Saturday in 1999, that's when the program started on a set because the show used to only be just for those of you, a little history lesson. For those of you who don't know, the show started out as a three hour show on a Saturday. Uh, in Fairbanks, and then slowly moved into the weekdays and uh, and here here we are today. But how do we how do we bring more people on board? I mean, at this point, I think most people are just so sick of politics and the discussions and everything else. They haven't been through everything that we've been through, but they've been through this last, you know, last ten years of this polarized, hot hot, hot hot mess that is the, you know, the political situation in America that they're just like holding their nose and walking away. I mean, it was hard enough before all of this nasty polarization. I mean, so what, what's the answer? How do we wake people up to what's going on? How do we wake them up to, you know, to stop paying attention to the national stuff? I mean, I know everybody's all pumped up that, oh, Trump won Iowa and blah, blah, blah. blah. Who cares? That, my personal opinion. Who cares? Can I affect that? No. Does it matter which monkey gets into the White House? Not really. I mean, in some cases, we'll have some things that affect us directly, but that's not something that I have any impact in. What do I have impact in? What's going on in my state? What's going on in my community? What's happening in my borough or my city? Why aren't we paying closer attention to that? How are, we be so, how are we becoming so distracted by the bread and circuses of what's going on at the national level that we just don't even, uh, you know, how are we getting, so how do we bring more people, how do we get more people involved in this? I mean, I don't have an answer. That's why I'm asking. How do we get more people engaged in what's going on in the local economy, in the local events, in the local, you know, the legislative, the borough, the muni? How do we get more people engaged in that? Because that's the stuff that has the direct impact on you, um, you know, of everything else. And again, we've been fighting this for years. I I mean, I'll, I'll say again— I thought when Bill Walker tapped into the PFD, I really thought that Alaskans would react. And then when the legislature, when the Senate didn't respond with an override or even attempt to override, they didn't even, you know, they didn't even try. They didn't even hold a vote. When they... When that happened, I really thought that Alaskans would stand up on their hind legs and be like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? But we didn't. We just rolled over and let it happen. So, I mean, I just, I don't know, I don't know how to get more people engaged. You know, it used to be if you can't motivate, you agitate. So then I tried to agitate a little bit, you know, make people upset about it, you know, get them thinking about things. And and yet they still just you can't get people up off their rusty dusty to go do something. You know, we've got a great listenership to this radio show across the state of Alaska. There's a lot of folks who are listening right now who probably listen all the time. And you're all probably going, yeah, you're all nodding. This is, yes, Well, how do we do but the thing is is that we're not bringing anyone new to the situation. We're not we're not reaching out to our friends and neighbors who are just trying to get along, just trying to get by, just trying to make a living and asking them, are you focused on local? I mean they'll probably they're probably more engaged on what's happening um, on CNN and Fox News at the national level than they are about what's going on in their own community. what affects them more on a day-to-day basis. Sabato Steel on Twitch says, wish more people cared about local politics. National means nothing, next to nothing in your life, in ours anyway. And that's exactly it. That's what I've been saying. It means we have zero effect on a national level as individuals here in the state of Alaska. But what's going on in your boroughs and what's going on in your city councils those things are important. And those things affect us directly. You know, whether it's the, the, <laughs> the drag queen story hour thing down in the Kenai, where people got so incensed that they it actually got shut down, or things that are happening up here on in Matsu on the borough on the shooting range issue, where people got, you know, spun up about it and got the or, or whatever is happening in your local community that you had an effect on. I mean, I could tell you as a former uh, assembly member in Fairbanks, when the room filled up with people, not— and it, you know and it had more impact. if they're all organized like you see here with this, uh, this BSA rally that they had where everybody's in red and they've all got the same placards that were obviously printed by you know some group or organization. I mean that has an impact, sure, when you've got a room full of people like that in a borough assembly chamber. but when you've got just a random selection, when the room is full and you've got a random selection of people just from every walk of life who are there about something, you know something is going to change. Because you've gotten the public motivated to get out there and do that. I don't know how to engage more people. I just, I wish, I wish I had more, I wish I had more answers. Alex says his answer, or her answer, I'm not sure if Alex is a him or her, I apologize. If you allow allow for open discussion, if you have the Alaska Policy Forum talk on education, then have any, I'm sure she meant, NEA Alaska. It's pretty much on the right. It would be great if people could talk about differences and feel their comments would be listened to. I have invited people from all walks of life, Alex, onto this program to talk about these things. The problem is, is that Most of them don't. I used to have the communications director of the Democrats, Alaska Democratic Party on the program all the time. And we had a very good relationship and we could disagree. We could agree to disagree. We could uh, agree on certain things. But he eventually was discouraged from coming on the program by the leadership of the party. Nobody. Why? Because everybody wants to be in an echo chamber. It's. It's ultimately frustrating. I mean, why? Just why? Oh, it's ultimately frustrating. There's—I mean, I wish I wish I had a better answer for it. I guess all I can do is just keep standing on my soapbox, uh, like the town crier, and you know, taking my megaphone and blowing through it every day. That's all we can do. Maybe we can bring more people on board to pay attention to this kind of stuff. But, again, this stuff is more important than anything that's happening at the national level or anything else. I mean, it's, again, because we have no control over any of that. That's the bottom line. All right, uh, got to go. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have Chris Story on, and we can do our weekly uplift. Boy, we need it this week, don't we? You know, that's what we need. All right, Common Sense, Liberty Bay's Free Thinking Radio, The Michael Luke Show, back with more right after this.
0: Casting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Uh, let's see. Melissa says education does need some funding. There's an unfunded mandate with the A.K. Reads Act to get progress and change the fact that our kids can't read, to hire the specialists needed and the tutors needed, it'll be around $6 million. Do we need a BSA increase? If that's how we get the A.K. Reads funded, then yes. Does it need to be funded to the full 1400 No, but we do need to fund this Reads Act. Melissa, my question is, if we have regular teachers that can't teach kids to read, we've got serious problems. If we have to hire uh, and bring in specialists and do all this other kind of stuff— There's a—that speaks to a failure in the current system. What are we supposed to teach? Reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. And they can't—if they can't teach—in fact, that's what—I just looked down and saw that's what Gail said. If we can't teach—why can't our teachers teach reading? Why does it cost $6 million to implement a task we already have the manpower for? What is the problem? Why, you know— If we've got this AK Reads Act and it's a different form, why don't we just train the people who are in there already teaching our kids? Why do we need more manpower to do what we should already be doing? My kids can all read. In fact, all my kids could read at a very early age and all my kids could read at a college level in middle or high school. This is insane. She says it speaks to the classroom sizes and the fact that teachers can't actually teach in their classrooms. Well, again, we've got bigger problems then. If the system is fundamentally broken, then why are we throwing more money at a system that's fundamentally broken? I... I, uh, there's 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 a... Mm hmm. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's bring on Mr. Story because I can't take any more of this. Um. Let's get him on the line. Let's get him on the line. Let's see what he has to say. Good morning, Mr. Dukes. Hey, Story, what's up? story oh easy let's uh let's take it one step at a time Tom. yeah yeah let's just just do the i don't know somebody said not to put up with your crap anymore that's what they told me this this morning some comment in the chat room Ooh. said just not
4: my crap yeah in What
2: respect yeah just let's just not have any more of that chris story crap is what i heard it was something from oh,
4: well yeah you have to believe half of what my mom puts on facebook yeah just come on
2: your mom's no, name is, is Mascla Something Farms. I mean, come on. That's you know that's um, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no.
4: Interesting. <laughs> yeah, she does uh she does like to grow vegetables, so that yeah, could
2: be. That could be, man. I don't know. But they, they they definitely were not uh they were not a fan. I don't know what it is. Who who are you making mad down there, man? I just you know,
4: everywhere I go, you know, if it, if, if everybody agrees with you, I guess uh you're doing something wrong.
2: Yeah, well, I would I would agree with that. Absolutely, would agree with that. Uh, all right, so Chris Story is with us today. Chris, what is the um, what is our lesson, our life lesson for today, sir? Live long and prosper. <laughs> you trekkies. Um, all right, live long and prosper. Okay, all right, we could do that. Have you been listening to anything that I've said this morning, or are you just tuning in now? I'm sorry, Michael. I
4: was uh, caught no. up in a great book and I lost track of time. I meant I, to be tuned in for the last
2: hour. I'm not. I'm not it. complaining. It was not a criticism. I was just curious if you were if you would comment on what I had been talking about. But I again, I just I get so wrapped up about this, you know. And you you host a radio show. You've hosted a radio show for many years. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how do we motivate people who are so wrapped up in the national politics you know they're they're glued to CNN or Fox News or MSNBC and they know every iota of every piece of information about you know the presidential debates and who's doing what and everything else i mean things that mean that make no difference to any of us things that we cannot control in any way shape or form we're not Iowa we're not Ohio we're not Pennsylvania we're not any of these battleground states we do we have absolutely nothing they are so wrapped up in that but they have no idea what's going on in their local city councils and the money that's being spent and the freedoms that are being taken away or attempted to be taken away in their communities how, I mean I just don't even know how to motivate those kind of people. It's just crazy
4: I don't know that you can or you're supposed to maybe that's what we're talking about today maybe it's maybe I maybe I unwittingly swerved into an idea that might uh, help sell your obviously frayed nerve
2: okay all right live long and prosper. That's what we're going to dive into. Chris Story is our guest. Uh, hold the line, Chris. We're going to jump back into it. Don't forget to like and share. 50 people in the chat room and only 13 of you have thumbed it up. Is, is it me? I just want to know. Is it me? Why, why can't you, you know? Why can't, yeah, and I was just talking about reaching more people and then I find out my favorite guest is not listening to my show. That's just disappointing. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay, uh, we're into the final segment of today's show. Fastest two hours in radio, oh baby! Uh, but we got to do this every Tuesday because you know you get tired. The week kind of beats you down. You go through a whole hour with Brad Keithley, and your nerves are frayed. You need to, you need to look, you need to look inward a little bit, and that's why we bring the guru of positivity on, Chris Story, the man from Homer. With the snoring dogs it just cracks me up that i can hear your dog in the background snore chris story he's here to help us he's here to help us with some self-reflection some positivity a little pma boost today you're talking about you're bringing star trek into the mix live long and prosper my friend what's the story what are we what are we learning about today i think i can help ease your pain michael cuz you you clearly are in distress
4: you're in pain. I saw the Duke's bet signal go up into the sky this morning, and you and I were once again on the same telepathic wavelength. So here we are, and I have some science to bring you. And I think you're the kind of guy that can appreciate it. I trust can the appreciate so I
2: trust the science. Yes, absolutely.
4: Well, here it is. Studies have shown, survey says, that when you feel that you are in control of your own life, And you are in control of your destiny and your days and what you do, how you do it, where you do it, who you do it with, all of that. When you feel in control of that, you tend to do a couple of things. You tend to overcome obstacles faster than people who do feel out of control. And you also, believe it or not, tend to live longer than people who feel out of control, as though everything's happening to them absent any control over their destiny, their life, their day, gotta go to work, gotta do this, gotta do that. Absent that control, you don't live as long. So you can live long and prosper, overcome obstacles. It's been proven, it's science, the science is in. Think about a baby. Once a baby can feed itself, an infant learns to finally manipulate motor controls and muscles just enough to get the spoon from the, the little plate in front of them up to the side of their cheek and then shove it over into their mouth. Even though half of it ends up on the floor, back on the table, they insist on doing it themselves. We insist as infants, once we've got that much control, to keep that control. Charles Duhigg wrote um, several books, one on habits, one on productivity. But he said a study he had read in the 80s and 90s, 90-plus percent of all Americans reported to a direct boss, of employed Americans. 90% of us have directly reported to a boss above us. Now, currently, fast forward a third of us, so 33% are nomadic, self-employed, or have some other control over your daily life in, in how you do it. A lot of that probably work from home, even though you might have a direct report. You feel so much more control when you're not, you know, told to show up at an office when and so forth. You can choose your own. So I guess my point is you don't have to quit. You don't have to start your own business. You don't have to change a whole lot in your life other than where you put your attention. If you shift your focus, and you know, a lot of a lot of self-employed people might be hearing this going, wait, what's this guy talking about? I got all the control of the world and I'm stressed out of my mind. My day runs me, I'm laughing at you, sorry. Well, if you shift your focus, no matter what you do, if you're a W2 employee or you're self-employed or you're a subcontractor, it's a mindset. If you shift your mindset, you shift your focus to the reality that you're in control, you're the CEO of YOU, cheesy as it sounds, it's easy to remember. If you shift your focus to that, no matter which side of the check you're signing, your life, front or back, doesn't matter. You'll feel more in control and you have probably a better chance at a long, prosperous
2: life. We've often talked about how there are very few things in life that we actually have direct control of. But the one thing that we have control of, of course, is in in, in anybody. And whether that's somebody who's hit the lottery or somebody just discovered they have stage three cancer, the only thing that they can control is their reactions to what's going on around them. But they have to take conscience, conscious control of that. Right. I mean, is that what you're talking about? Taking conscience, conscious? I'm having a hard time with that word today. Conscious control of the situations around us and of our own emotions, which is, well, I mean, having watched the news and the meltdowns that people have on TV, I can see that that's a hard thing to do in this day and age.
4: I, easy for you to say if you if you just shift your focus. I agree, which what with what you just attempted to say. If you shift your focus to control of your own life, and yeah, I think Jack can feel you know, said it really well with his formula, E plus R equals O, event plus your response will equal your outcome, essentially. And you can do some things. For example, if you feel like this is a bit far-fetched or farcical or just not possible for you, what about this? What if today you say, okay, I accept this. I'm going to just take him on, on his word right now. I'm just going to, okay, I'm going to try this. As weird as it sounds, I'm going to try it. I'm going to become the CEO of my own corporation. I'm going to call you Inc., and uh, what's the first thing that a, that a solid corporation employs Has a board of directors? You could employ a board of directors in your life right now to help keep you grounded and yet moving forward. Pl- call it your circle of trust. Call it your mastermind like Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie didn't know the most about steel. He just knew the most about people and how to create an incredible organization, which which, which he wasn't in complete control over. He had a lot of people, a lot of people in that mastermind and a lot of people in his organization that helped him become effectively America's first billionaire, even though he's worth you know something on the order of $400 million. It was equivalent to a billionaire today because he let go of the control over everything and simply controlled himself and his relationship to the people that reported to him and the people that helped him inside his mastermind. You could view yourself as a subcontractor right now, even if you're being told to show up at work at a particular time, you can look at yourself as a subcontractor and say, Look, I'm going to work harder on myself than I do the job, meaning I'm going to become somebody worth more than they're paying me. Jim Rome told a great story about his mentor, his name was uh, Earl Schulf, and, and he was complaining one day to Earl Schoff that, that, yeah, this is all they pay, this is all the company pays. And Earl Schoff looked at him and said, No, it's not, it's all they pay you. They pay other people a lot more than they pay you. This is all you're worth. You can become worth more where you are with what you've got simply by shifting your focus and choosing where you are to be there and live in the present today. You can choose that and take a lot of control. Catherine Ponder wrote a lot of great books in the '60s, and uh, one of the stories she tells in in the Dynamic Laws of Prosperity is about a woman who retired from business. She was a businesswoman, sold her business, and had suddenly come down to this mysterious Illness. Doctors couldn't explain the cause of her symptoms. She was a medical mystery. But one friend of hers had read Ponder's work and she goes, I know what's wrong with you. You're bitter. You're holding, this woman would hold on to a grudge and and an issue and grief like an Olympic wrestler. She wouldn't let go. And once she got the coaching and counseling to let go of these past issues and let go of the bitterness, suddenly the symptoms went away. And that's obviously not a cure all for everything, but it's just an interesting. Anecdote about what our mind can control and do for us when we shift focus. And if you shift the focus from this happens to me to I'm in control, you're gonna you're gonna experience more prosperity and a better, longer life.
2: So break it down for us here in the last four minutes and talk to us about if we want to live long and prosper, we need to take control of our life. And that doesn't mean you know you grab every circumstance by the throat and force it and beat it into submission it means you have to roll with the punches it means you have to be flexible and understanding and in some situations you're going to feel out of control but you have to find some aspect of it that you can whether it's just your reaction or something else so how do we how do we start that chris baby steps this for me talk to me like i'm 5 like when you when you get into a roller
4: coaster which i do not like but when I've done Oh, man, it, I love roller
2: I, coasters. Love roller coasters, you it, sissy. Man, it, roller coasters it, it, are amazing. Go ahead.
4: If everything goes well, you're completely 100% out of control through the whole ride. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're strapped in. It, like I said, if everything goes well. Um, and you're not like some of those poor devils that have lost their feet uh, or fallen out of the roller coaster. When it's something you know, there's the horror stories that that I can think of, uh, which keeps me from enjoying roller coasters. So, but but if everything goes well, you're 100% out of control. However, you chose to put your butt in the seat. You're the one who chose to get on and go for the ride. So you can still look at life, things that are happening to or around you, or that you don't agree with, and go. Hmm, I don't have any control over that, but that's right. I did choose to be here. I did I don't have any control over what the boss is gonna say, where or smell like today, but I chose to be here. I choose to be in this moment right here and right now. And if you simply will shift your focus from have to to choose to, as cheesy and possibly woo as it sounds, if you just simply make that shift today, you're gonna find a lot more excitement in this path. You're gonna enjoy the roller coaster ride, even though you're out of control. Uh, completely in some circumstances, remember, you chose to be here right now. Like, if you're listening to this and you don't like me, you're, you're choosing to listen to it. Why? There, there, maybe there's something there for you.
2: Well, and that's exact... <laughs> That was my comment, too, at the time was, well, if you don't like it, there's a little button. You can just push that button and and skip to someplace else or turn it completely off one way or the other. If you don't like the words that are coming out of my mouth, why are you listening? Why are you putting yourself through that kind of pain? I mean, is it masochism or is it just, you know, you like to be mad or whatever? But, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, we have to take, uh, we have to take ownership, right, of what's going on around us and what's happening to us. And a way to take ownership is, again, the way to control how we react to that. It's, it, this is something that's simple but not easy, I would, I would argue in some ways. Simple but not easy, especially, especially if you're getting, you know, like I was saying earlier, winning the lottery. Oh, that, that's pretty easy to, but if you just got diagnosed with some kind of terminal illness, that's a lot harder to get a handle on. Um, but your reaction to it is still all within your grasp. It just, it, Means it's probably harder than it is easier at that point.
4: Well, and it, the challenge with easy is that, um, and again, to quote one of my favorite mentors, Jim Rohn, that which with that that is easy to do is easy not to do. So this is easy to do or to not do, to ignore, what have you. But I'm promising you, if you'll simply try it. If this at all resonates and you go, man, I, I would like some more control. I would like to move the locus of control from them to me, from this circumstance to my response to it. Then just try that. Imagine yourself today as the CEO of your own corporation. Uh, gather a board of directors. Uh, figure out who you want to mentor you in your life. or who. I went to lunch yesterday with a guy who just ripped me apart over a, my book, The Watchman. Ripped me. I mean, stem the stern. He just took me apart at the seams and i i sent him an email later in the day thanking him and say thank you you know you never let me live in my own blind spot thank you for uh bringing me to near tears and being honest with me and, and that is somebody that i appreciate in my life and somebody that is um is there for me all albeit then i had to go read a couple of positive reviews to, to feel <laughs> you know better about myself but uh sometimes the people in our circle Uh, It it takes some honesty or laser-like focus, and don't be afraid of that. Include those people in your board of directors.
2: Chris Story, the man from Homer. You can find him today on KPEN. He'll be broadcasting at 1 p.m. today, Alaska Matters. Uh, You can find him at ilovehomeralaska.com. Thank you, my friend. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow, The Michael Luke Show. So, of course, I know the most important question that everybody in the chat room is asking is, did he criticize my performance of your book, The Watchman? I think that was... No. The, yeah. No, nah.
4: no, he actually he read... <laughs> I apologize to you, Michael. He read the paperback. Um, and, you know, he just didn't like the character. He didn't like the outcome. He didn't like this. He didn't like that. And, um, and that's okay because it just wasn't for him. I, he just wasn't the right audience for that book. And that's okay um but it, but i appreciated nonetheless that he felt close enough to me and my circle of trust to actually tell me what he actually thought so that for that i appreciated and and probably it'll guide me just a little bit as i write the next book in the series that um maybe, maybe i'll go a little deeper into his uh qualities and character one of the reviews i got was uh from um a guy I consider, you know a really good friend he's become a friend through the show and he said something about you know, you don't. This is, he compared it to a Quentin Tarantino film, and he said, When the bodies start dropping, and you know, who are the good people? Are there any good people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. exactly. So that's almost, that's kind of what my friend was saying <laughs> yesterday. He's like, Are there any decent people in this book? There's well, no likable characters probably, in this
2: book at all. It's all, you hate all the first, characters, you know. First hey, at least make me feel something, right? I mean, at least make me feel yeah. something for somebody. Uh, I, when well, I, that's just it. When you put
4: art into the world, you know, like you do five days a week, you put art into the world. This performance, this show, this the courage it takes to align guests that may not 100% of your audience agree with or like or want to hear. And I'm talking about Brad, of course. I'm just kidding. <laughs> me too. Um, but, you know, we have our detractors and so forth. It's art. You, you're putting yourself out there and you know there's going to be people that are going to, uh say things negative some people are going to respond with the attitude That's just like wait a minute i'm just trying to do you a favor man why are you ripping me apart doesn't matter you're putting art into the world and if you're not willing to take criticism then you shan't get the praise either
2: no and what i love about your character jacob mann in the watchman is that he's he's imperfect I mean, you know, nobody wants to see nobody wants to see the character that does everything right and that you know has no flaws and everything else. You know, what I loved about Jacob is that he uh, he can be sketchy. You know, he can be skeezy sometimes. He can be, you know, but I mean in his you know at the core I think he's a good person. He's just but you know, he's human and that that is one of the yeah. most interesting aspects of it. Uh, you know, I can read plenty of books where the main character is a is a, you know, a you know perfect in every way but i want to see something where somebody's a little bit different it's uh and i like that i I like that a lot
4: and like i told my friend i said ironically the next the next book in the series is called jacob man's search for meaning and i you know maybe he maybe he grows so the story arc ain't over but point is when you put art into the world you know you have to have a thick skin you have to think there's going to be people like the guy you mentioned earlier that just doesn't like me for whatever reason, and that's okay. You know, he's got he's got his opinions, and that's okay. There's plenty of people that do like what what we say on top of the world and what you and I talk about, and that's fine. And I use the uh, Optimist Creed. I joke around that I open my show with the Optimist Creed because it's a the filter. And yeah. diehard pessimists are going to like it. And, right. okay, we filtered them out right away. Let's get it right. over with.
2: Right. Here's, here's Optimists w- unite. Exactly. Here's what we're going to talk about today. If you don't like it, there's the off button. You've been warned kind of thing. You know, that's that's what it's all exactly. about. So, all right. Well, Chris Story, uh, the man from Homer, thank you, my friend. As always, it's great to talk with you. I appreciate your weekly uplifts here. For me, I don't care about anybody else at this point. It's about me. At this, It's all about me that's what this is about I I need it so if they don't they could flick the dial there you go so all oh, right man well thanks for having me I appreciate it all right thanks for coming on board Chris story uh our guest all right that's it my friends out of time gotta go we'll see you tomorrow I'm thinking Mike shower tomorrow maybe Rob Myers I don't know I gotta go ask him we'll find out we'll get some people on tomorrow. And we'll, uh, we'll enjoy it together. So stick around. Well, not now, but come back to, you know what I mean. You know what I mean, what I'm talking about. You can smell what I'm cooking. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.